Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. From traveling European boy band act to professional historical secretary. Guys, I'm so excited to be talking with Benjamin Schnall today on Mini Spotlights. He's an actor, songwriter, musician, and host. We'll be talking all about it today here on Mini Spotlights. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to AfterBuzz TV's mini spotlight series where we interview Hollywood's hottest up-and-coming talent. As I mentioned at the top, I am interviewing extremely talented, multi-hyphenate ah. Benjamin Schnau. Wow. So excited to have you here today, <laughs> Thank you so much for the compliment. I appreciate it. Of course. Candidly, Benjamin also hosts for the network, but you That's would true. <laughs> certainly, no, 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 you would certainly be someone who would be featuring on the network anyway. So it's right. fun for me to be in this capacity interviewing you rather than just co-hosting with you. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Because it's well-deserved. I'm looking at his IMDb now in, in a very very quick amount of time, you have racked up a number of credits, um, and it's a very impressive resume. Oh, really? Thank you. Oh, my God. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I was trying so hard, right? I yeah. mean, coming from Europe and then now coming over to the U.S. Now, I'm, I'm here in the U.S. now for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to hustle, to be honest. Right? Was that, I think you have to in L.A., right? You yeah. absolutely have to, especially in the current climate. I think right. even A-listers you know, talk about having to hustle to get these roles and fighting for auditions. And in in good ways and in bad ways, it's not the same industry it was 10, 15 years ago. Right. So a lot of people making their own content, which we'll be talking about in just a little bit, because you're a self-starter, a self-producer. But primarily, you're here to talk about your biggest project recently, which is The Current War. Right. If you guys haven't heard of this movie, The Current War is a sort of period piece, an ensemble piece that covers the historical time period where Tesla, Westinghouse, and Edison were all competing to sort of gain both technological and capitalist control over the emerging electricity industry. Right. Um, so it kind of has this historical capitalist fight to exactly. try to gain power. Literally, right? <laughs> it was pretty much like a war almost, yeah. right? So all of them wanted to be the first innovator, basically, mm-hmm. back in the time, right? And it was really great for, for me to be on set and really also see one of the biggest actors we have right now, like Michael Shannon, for example, yes. to perform right next to me. I couldn't believe it. Man. It's crazy. I mean, the cast that's built in here, so the three uh, inventors I just mentioned, mm-hmm. Tesla, West House and Edison are played respect, respectively by um, Benedict Cumberbatch, That's right. uh, Nicholas Holt, yeah. and um, Spider-Man, Tom Holland. Uh, Tom right? Holland, too. And Michael Shannon. And Michael uh, Shannon, uh, yes. Please, uh, George, uh, George Westinghouse. Michael yeah. Shannon, yeah. My, that's right. Shannon is Westinghouse. Yeah, so those right. four, I mean, there's not really four bigger actors working uh, today. Right? I mean, like, I mean, you have DiCaprio and Brad Pitt for you or George Clooney or something, but, I right. mean, that's, if you are still on set with those people, that's a different dimension, right? So it was amazing. Who were you interacting with on set? So on set, I was basically playing George Westinghouse's secretary. Mm-hmm. So I was basically interacting with Michael Shannon. Nice. 
tall guy. Let me tell you that he yeah. is like oh my god, he's six four, six five or something, huge guy, right? Yeah. But it was just amazing to be honest to see him on set to really also learn from him, right? Mm-hmm. Because I always looked up to this guy. I really like his performance because I feel like he's one of those guys. He really takes acting seriously. He really sees acting as an art. Mm. He's just not acting because he wants to be a celebrity or famous. And you can tell on set because he was one of those guys who didn't even talk a lot. Mm. He was very quiet. You know, a lot of people were like, "Hey, why is he not talking? Is he does he think he's somewhat better than us or something like?" <laughs> Honestly, some some people thought that. Interesting. But he was just method acting pretty much. Right. So he was in character like for eight hours straight. Wow. Not even looking up. He was looking on the ground for. And then the director said, "Hey, Michael, yeah, I'm ready." And then he basically walked off Turns and went to the set, and boom. That's how yeah. the pros do it. You know, yeah. it's it's not only fun to watch professionals so you can learn craft, but also just to see them conduct themselves on set. Right. There's something really kind of magical about an actor who's just able to turn it on because, right. you know, with theater, you have time in the wings and backstage to prep when you need to. But with film, they spend hours setting up, getting the shot lit, getting everything right. And then when it's time to roll, it's time to roll, whether or not you're sick you just went to the bathroom, whatever. You've got to turn it on as an actor. So, And you know what happened? Like talking about bathroom, yeah. I went to the restroom. It's a true story. Yeah. I went to the restroom because I had to do you know, my business, right? Absolutely. So I went to the restroom. As one does. <laughs> exactly, yes. right? I went to the restroom. Guys, this is a crazy story, actually. Now I remember that. I went to the restroom, and I was just standing there. You know, as you do as a man, you stand there, right? And you yeah. just do it, right? And then the door opens, and he comes in. Uh-huh. Michael Shannon standing right next to me. And I said, okay, I have to say something, right? And I just looked to the left side. Hey. <laughs> I looked at that. I was starting to have a conversation. I was like, hey, how's it going? But he was not completely there, you know? He was still in his zone, right? And I, I respect that if someone Definitely. does that, right? I didn't really take it the wrong way, but the first moment was like, I just said hi. Why didn't you acknowledge that? Why didn't you, you know? But he was just gone, you know? Well, so. and I will say, I feel like there are rules around urinal conversation, right? Yeah. Like, you, <laughs> it might have been on you. And this could be a cultural thing. I feel like Europeans are a little more open in terms of, That's true. you know, like bathhouses and nudity. And maybe it was just the German-American thing. We can chalk it up to oh, that. Oh, the Germans, are, I mean, you know, the Germans, right, when it comes to being, like, being open with nakedness and yeah. stuff like that, like going to the beach naked and stuff, we do that. It's very you different. Know, it's yeah. very yeah, I know. That's actually maybe he thought, "Oh my god, what what kind of European guy is that guy?" I mean, <laughs> that might have been the issue. Oh, right, that's a good one. But I don't know. That actually probably says more about the Americans than it does about Germans. Yeah, yeah. So that's we'll, true. we'll take the flack here. <laughs> uh, yeah, Michael Shannon. He's interesting. He's such a he. So often plays villains. He's such yeah. a villainous presence. Right. What is Westinghouse's character like in the film? He's he has a lot of authority, mm-hmm. right? Because he basically runs this whole manufacturing. So the the location was basically like an old factory outside mm. of London where we shot and um, he is basically a guy who runs the whole company right he has a lot of authority but he also loves his employees right mm. so he didn't really play a villain that was not really a villain role mm. right and I think that was also like a new experience for him yeah. but we basically did that one scene where he has to convince the investors coming to his office that he's actually capable of being the first one being hmm. the innovator back in the days and he needs the money to basically prove that to everyone and that's also where he has that scene where he's kind of freaking out for a second hmm. which was very interesting on set because no one saw it coming you know everyone like and then he basically he basically takes I don't want to spoil it for everyone but yeah. he takes something and just throws it against the he wall. He has a and, moment. Uh, he has a moment. He yeah. has definitely has a moment. And that was so interesting because I was basically sitting he but he was basically like that, you know? Yeah. His back in the day, uh, you you know these old offices, right? You have your big office room and then in front you have these two basically chairs on yeah. both sides and you have two secretaries, right? Mm-hmm. Sitting like the opposite. And he basically comes out 
and has his moment while the investor's basically standing right in front of us. And he came out with this like powerful like monologue. He does a monologue in that scene. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay. Yeah. And then I just say, say, yes, sir. I say something like, yes, sir, because right. he's asking me something. I should do something for him. I say, yes, sir. And I was so like fascinated and also almost scared about this performance that I'm I actually sure. really felt what I said completely, you know, even more than usually, you know, because I, yeah, yes, sir. You have to like, play I was intimidated. I didn't even have to play it, but I was really like that, you know? Well, that's great. That's, <laughs> you know, they say acting is all about your scene partner, right? Exactly. So it sounds like he was doing the work that needed to be done for you to be in the moment. For sure. And for sure. That's cool. For so sure. you play Westinghouse's secretary. Yeah. Was that, I'm sure that was just a lot of the same exact place on set every day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we did it over, I think it was three days you know because there was a lot of stuff that was happening there was a scene which was shot with a steady cam too mm. which as you can imagine that takes a while sometimes because everything yeah. has to fall into place because the cameraman is probably mo- is basically moving and all the action has to happen while he's at the right spot yeah you know so and that took a while and honestly i have to mention that situation also for the audience which was very interesting we did that one scene where he's basically coming out and is starting his monologue in front of the investors, right? And he comes out, and then out of a sudden, he said, stop, stop it. Stop the whole thing. Wow. And everyone's like, oh, oh, shit. What's <laughs> happening now? Everyone was like, oh, my God. He said, stop. He stopped the whole scene, and he wanted to reset the whole scene. And what happened was he heard that two PAs, like production assistants, were actually talking outside the building. Oof. No one could hear it. Wow. No one heard it. But he could hear it. And then when he stopped the scene, everyone was listening. And out of a sudden, everyone realized, yeah, you're right. There were two people talking out loud, like about whatever, like maybe lunch or something. For sure. And he was so focused on, on his monologue that he heard everything. Wow. And I was like, wow. I, I totally understand if I do something like that, if yeah. I do a monologue, I have that sometimes too. If someone just basically walks behind the camera with a very bright full color. Mm-hmm. And you really have to focus, and you almost talk into the camera. You really get distracted by that. Right. If it's a sound, if it's a color, or whatever. So I totally got it. Everyone was just like, "Oh my god!" Michael Shannon said, "Stop it! What happened?" You know, like <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I totally get it too. It's funny. I feel like people can be hard on actors and yeah. say, like, you know, they're a diva. Yeah, or, I know. But at the same time, when it comes down to it. There's been months and months, maybe even years of preparation for yeah. this. We only have one hour to get for this sure. scene. It's a lot of pressure for actors. Oh, yeah. You know, they have to deliver. So, you know, I've done some behind-the-camera stuff. And oh, I'm right. one to give actors a lot of space and freedom and flexibility. Because yeah. however you feel about talent, when the camera rolls, no matter what's been written, directed, or produced, it is on the actor to deliver. So you've got to give them the space and the environment to do that. So I respect I respect when talent has those requests. Because totally. you've got to be able to create an environment to offer the best performance possible totally and, I, and i'm really grateful honestly that i made that experience to be honest i think sure. this is one of those experiences that you that you wish for you know so Definitely. and i'm really grateful for that so for sure. you have a very busy imdb some of this stuff is self-produced some of the stuff yeah. is things you've gotten cast in which is totally admirable if you had to pick three projects from the last three four years that really stand out to you what would yeah. those be Definitely The Current War. We just mm-hmm. talked about that as one of those. Definitely have to say that. Another one that I did in the U.S., actually, which was all, uh, very, very interesting for me, was um, I was part of the uh, new Eminem music video. Oh, cool. You know, um, you probably have seen that, right? So I basically was uh, one of the principals for the Venom music video. Oh, nice. You know, nice, you know nice. Maybe you watched the, uh, the movie Venom with actually, Tom Hardy. I didn't see Venom, but I'd That's like okay. to. I'm, I'm sure our producer in the booth, Ryan, has. He's a superhero junkie. Oh, but... yeah, he must have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, you got it. Nice. <laughs> no, so, yeah, and also for Ryan, the music video, basically, we shot that in downtown on, on Broadway. Cool. You know, on a, like, 
work with like paperwork or the, the pavement or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really cool because I just wanted to understand how do they how do they do music videos, right? And you wouldn't really imagine how simple it is at right. the end of the day. Well, I mean, maybe you saw that before, right, backstage or something. They just basically walk with the camera on shoulder and just basically do the whole music video, right? Sometimes yeah. it's just like it feels like okay, lowering the cost as much as we can, but getting the biggest value out of it, yeah. which is totally cool. But that was great for me too because for us Europeans coming to the U.S. and establishing ourselves as actors in the U.S. is also becoming it's also about becoming SAC, becoming mm-hmm. a SAC member, right? Yeah. And how do you do that? Right, I'm always, a lot of people ask me all the time, "How do you become SAG?" And you have to basically be on a SAG project. Right. So that project made me SAG. Nice. You know, it's because You're I was Hartley, right? Pretty exactly. Yeah. I was Taft Hartley in. Yeah, that's you know, what they call um, it. Yeah. and I was so grateful for that because that's the hardest part for us Europeans because yeah. we are not used to that in Europe. We don't have that. Right. In Europe, it's like. Yeah, you look good for the part. You, you can act. Yeah, well, America loves a union. That's one thing I will say. <laughs> it's and it's don't get me wrong. The you, you, union is a good thing right. too, right? Because yeah. it protects all of us. Yeah, you know, exactly. we get the pay the payment that we are basically supposed to get, right? Right. Um, but yeah, that was a good one. And also, I really have to point that out too. I did. Um, uh, Nazi mega structures. Mm-hmm. That's the title. It's uh, for was for National Geographic mm. that I did. Um, it's now also on Netflix. If you guys want to check it out, it's called Nazi mega structures. Hitler's fortress. Mm-hmm. Hitler's Italian fortress. I'm sorry. Um, also, nice project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also good for for actors to to have a Netflix credit too. You know, that's definitely something that works. I mean, we really have to talk about that too. You can be a great actor. You have to have the talent. You have to have to look. But people also look. Hey, what did he do already? What kind of credit? does mm-hmm. he has already which is a huge part I needed to learn that when I come to the US right. I think in the US especially in Hollywood it's also a lot about dropping name dropping what did you do already mm-hmm. How did, who did you work with Right. and that I'm so grateful to understand now and to realize that this is also on Netflix which I didn't know when we shot it mm-hmm. no one knew National Geographic shot it and then they basically sold it to Netflix cool so that's also very helpful. But also at the end, I don't want to make it too long. I also want to say that I also work on short films because I feel like there is a lot of good material out there, even yep. by students, you know, even like smaller stories that are really good to shoot, you know, and Definitely. you learn a lot. So. Well, you need to be on sets to learn. That's the thing is as an actor, no matter how much prep or method yeah. work or research you do, the best way is to you know be in the trenches and For really sure. be on set. That's so. And you say I uh, don't want to interrupt you. Sorry, no, but that's jump in. that's definitely something I always say. For me as an actor, it's all about the connection you have with the camera. Mm. You know, it's it's very important. It's like a muscle. It's like it's something that you have to learn over time. It's like we basically creating a relationship by getting to know each other. Yeah. So we we gonna trust each other more in about six months than mm-hmm. than like if we would have just known each other for two or three days, obviously. And it's the it's same crazy. with the camera. Yeah. The camera is responding to your actions, and when you watch yourself in the movie, sometimes you feel like I do that. I watch a movie with myself in it, and I said. I should have I should have moved my head differently in that scene in that moment. The second I should have da- I should have looked down in the second because it makes it even more powerful if I hmm. would have looked down. Something like that, yeah. you know. And I think you just learn from that, and you just but you also have to adapt. That's what I'm always saying. You can't just watch yourself and feel like, oh my god, that was actually pretty cool. <laughs> I'm always very skeptical. I'm also yeah. very like. Not negative, but critical. I'm always critical. That's yeah. the one. Thank you. Always trying to look for the next bigger thing that I could do. It's you good. know, so I think that helps me to improve every day. So. I like that a lot because um, I think a lot of actors talk about wanting to pretend the camera's not there, let it yeah. disappear. But I think you're right that at the same time, there's no way to truly 
eliminate the idea or presence of the camera. Yeah. So learning to work with the camera. Yeah. I think that's really valuable advice for up and coming actors. For sure. And that's thank you. Thank oh my Jeff. I'll, I love that Jeff. Thanks so much, Ed. You said that, that's serious. <laughs> I'm pretty smart. No, oh yes. <laughs> this guy is oh my god, people, this guy is smart. <laughs> no, but honestly, I really I do believe that Obviously, when you shoot a movie and you are in the scene as an actor, you don't really look into the camera, obviously. Right. But you know, obviously, that the camera is right next to the actor that you're playing against or playing to. But I still believe that you can play towards the camera to mm-hmm. make it look great on screen. Right. That doesn't mean that you look into the camera, but you can act towards the camera, but still act to your partner in right. that way. Does that make sense what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, you have so? to know your light. You have to yeah. know your lens. You know, yeah. it's... Acting, you have to be in it, but you also have to recognize that you're on a controlled set and you have to optimize the situation that you for have. Sure, so for sure. It's really, really good advice. For sure. So you mentioned uh, Nazi megastructures. Yeah. It's interesting. Looking through your IMDb, there's probably three or four World War II oriented, Reich oriented roles. Oh, more than that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> a lot of actors talk about getting typecast. You yeah. know, African American actors, especially yeah. when they're coming up, are always yeah. getting cast as thugs. Yeah. Arabic actors or Middle Eastern actors yeah. are always getting cast as terrorists. Right. Do you feel like as a multilingual German-born yeah, actor, you're right. always getting typecast as Nazis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure, right? I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I would be alive. I would say, no, that's not the case. Right. It is definitely a fact. You know, if I... If I come to a room for if I go to an audition, right, and I know it's for a second World War movie, and at some point they realize that I'm from Germany and I speak German, I look kind of German, I have light eyes and whatever, mm-hmm. of course they love that, you know, <laughs> and of course I have a higher chance to be cast for that movie. And I also, and I also wanted to say that to European people, to everyone who's watching that show with us, honestly, if you're being typecast, you're still a cast. Mm-hmm. You have to see it that way. See it in a positive way. Yeah. I was that myself. Don't get me wrong, Jeff. At the very beginning, when I started out acting, I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to be the Nazi every time. I want right. to do more than that. I, I mean, I'm capable to do more. I can be the good guy. But I think you have to understand, especially when you come to Hollywood, you cannot expect that you play the roles that you think are good for you. Right. You have to accept that they see you a certain way, and you have to understand how they see you. That's why I'm always saying, and I'm always asking people, how do you see me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What could what could I play in your eyes? And people say, "Hey, you, you look like a, you could be the bad guy." That mm-hmm. doesn't always mean I have to be the Nazi, but I'm pretty much the bad guy for a lot of people. And then at some point, I was like, "Okay, if that's the if that's the case, all right." I, I accept it. I go with it. Because right. that's something you have to do. And I'm always saying that to people. I meet some people sometimes coming from Europe, coming over, and they still have that mindset of, hey, I don't, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I said, hey, that's great. Mm-hmm. Keep that. That's awesome. But trust me, at the very beginning, no one is asking you what you want to do. Right. You just have to give them what they you asking for. Make yourself as valuable as for you sure. can be. Do it. And yeah. then at some point, and the best example I'm always pointing out, this one guy, as we all know him, he's very respected right now, is Christoph Waltz mm-hmm. in Glorious Bastards. We all watched him with Ryan. You watched the movie too, right? Oh, yeah. It's my oh, favorite yeah. Tarantino movie. Look, we got oh, a photo yeah. up right now. Oh, yeah. Similar... Exactly. That's yeah. very interesting. That, that was me basically playing a very similar role mm-hmm. uh, which really reminded me of that like living room role with, with the French guy in, in, in Christoph Waltz the scene where he basically shoots all the all the guys or was trying to shoot all the guys yep. right so that basically something that I did and honestly I also I always take inspiration from Christoph too especially when I play these kind of roles he's right? a genius I mean I'm not honestly trying not to copy him but he's a huge inspiration in a way right? well that's one of the most complicated and most interestingly rendered yeah. Nazi characters yeah. unfortunately a lot of times 
especially in World War II stories, Germans and Germany are really put into one-dimensional types of roles. Yeah. The same thing happens, I think, with Russian characters in Cold War stories. Yeah, that's right. Same thing. Um, it's like Stranger Things. Season yeah. 3 was great, but the Russians were very one-dimensional. Right, so right, right. Whenever there's an opportunity to portray the other side yeah. as a complicated role, that's a cool opportunity as an actor. Oh, yeah, for sure. And don't get me wrong, coming back to being typecast, honestly, now, mm-hmm. I'm at a stage in my life, also with acting, where I feel like I actually liked to be the bad guy. Yeah. It's actually quite cool. If you really think about it for a second, it's a very complex thing. Even as a Nazi, I'm always saying that, and I'm, everyone is always thinking Nazis are just the very aggressive, outgoing guys, just killing everyone or something. Honestly, right. if you really think about the high-level guys, like Himmler and all these people, Goebbels and, and Hitler and all these people, mm-hmm. obviously, they were still very charismatic. Right. So you Charming. Even, very charming. You, they actually, you, you kind of like them even for what they said to you, right. right? But then at the end, they stacked you in the bag. Right. You know, something like that. And I feel like these kind of complex characters is very interesting to get into as an actor because you really have to understand how these people thought the Mm -hmm. thought process is completely random sometimes it's not like an average person who just basically does the same thing every day they sometimes freak out for a millisecond and just feel like okay I have to do this right now right I have. I, I just feel like I, I, I'm going to kill him right now. Absolutely. And then you just do it, and you come back, and you're still a nice guy. Hey, you know. Well, so, I mean, some of the best roles in film history are the villains, right? I know. I you know. Look at Hans Gruber and Die Hard. Oh my goodness! It is funny. It does seem like, especially American Hollywood, loves to take that German character, yeah. like Ray Fiennes. I think he's German, right? I'm uh, trying to, he may or may not. Yeah, and he's in Schindler's List. Yeah, he of course plays in Schindler's List, but then he's also Voldemort. <laughs> That's um, really, yeah. But it's funny. America has this way of. I think kind of reducing Germany yeah. just because, you know, when as an American student growing up, when you're yeah. studying World War II, right. it's a very simple story that's told about yeah. Germany was, you know, this one-dimensionally evil presence, yeah. but I, it's funny, I traveled to Germany yeah. four and a half years ago. Well, more than that now. But right. it's one of the most beautiful countries I've ever been to. One oh, of the wow. friendliest countries I've ever been to. And it's a shame. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was in South Germany. Maybe that's oh, okay. different. Oh, Bavarians all like. They love, yeah. Yeah, love they Americans. Were, yeah. yeah, they sure did. But <laughs> it's funny. It was it was really valuable for me to see that this version of Germany that was painted yeah. for me in school was a right. much more sort of narrow and one-dimensional perspective yeah. on the country. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, th- thank you for saying that, by yeah. the way. I mean, for me, I don't want to sound like a teacher or like educating people but honestly I when I came to the US you know I'm just myself right, right. I'm really I'm, I'm German obviously I'm born raised Germany but I and I feel that I'm German obviously every mm-hmm. day right I have this German like and I mean even from East Germany by the way I was mm-hmm. born behind the wall I'm the wow. last generation from East Germany so that's different too you know mm-hmm. people from West and East they had a different education and different like way of growing up but I'm always coming to the US and I'm always saying hey guys let the past be the past and just understand who we are today, right? I mean, I understand what we did was the most terrible thing almost on earth, right? We all get that. Right. But we are the next generation, right? So just give us a chance to show you who we are. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, I'm working on that. You know? Actually, well, if you, I will say, if you get a chance to go to Germany, I've only been to Bavaria, South right, Germany, right, but right. it's like truly just like green rolling hills and we like cruise down the Rhine. Oh, wow. And I was just like, this oh, really? is such a pleasant country. Right. I really want to go I back. mean, yeah, and, and Berlin. I recommend Berlin for sure. Yeah, I yeah. love I, re- I will go back to Germany because right. I, lo- I love it so much. Yeah. It's funny, I speak French and oh. they're just as much as I like France, they're just not as friendly. Right. I just feel like Germany is a friendlier country right. than they are. But not bad. Uh, so I also want to talk. It's interesting. You have this acting career, but you yeah. actually came up in the entertainment industry as a musician. Yeah, that's right. Can you talk a bit about? I have the name of your band here. Yeah. Let me see if I can pronounce this right. Oh, yeah. 
Spectacular. Yeah, that's good. Is that's that pretty nice. good? Yeah, that's pretty good. All right, good. can you talk to us yeah. about what this is yeah. and what your role in the band was? Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's. I mean, it's very interesting. I have a musical background. My family was always liking choirs and stuff, so mm-hmm. I basically grew up with this environment. And then when I was about 18, 19, we had this local casting in Germany, right? And by then, the boy bands like and singing Backstreet Boys were already huge in Germany, mm-hmm. right? A big thing back in the days. And I think they just wanted to create something also for the German market too, like the, the first German boy band in a way. And you know how it is. You go to the audition and you see different kind of varieties of people. You know, like dark hair. You have the, the one with the blue eyes. You have the blonde. You know, you have the tall guy. You have the, the short guy. Yep. You know, different characters like every boy man has. What was yours? The light-eyed? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, I was the light-eyed guys, right? With the with the curly hair. Yes. My, you know, this kind of guy. And, yeah. they, and then we basically had, you know, to do like some singing and some dancing and stuff like that. And, and they basically, basically took me. They basically cast me for this boy band which was very interesting. So we traveled around Germany and Europe, right? We had our own songs. We did some cover songs from Take That. Do you guys oh, yeah. remember Take I That? I remember Take That, yeah. Oh, you got it. That's I awesome. Sure like the big the, boots, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes, yeah. That's what I remember. So we did, like, and sing in Backstreet Boys covers too, you, you know, have to, to right? create that name, first of all, and then do your own songs cool. too, right? Nice. And that was a great experience because I learned a lot about, like, being creative as a musician, being with other people, you know? But I also learned a lot about the business side. Mm. And we have to all understand if it's film, music whatever it is in the entertainment industry it's a business too right right and i'm always saying that to a lot of people when it comes to music or acting or whatever you have to be creative that's the first thing i believe if you want to be creative do that first be creative Mm -hmm. write your own story do whatever you feel like but also understand how to work on your business too because Mm. if you create a very good movie you still have to know how to market a movie because you still have to get the money into maybe do the next movie right and i think a lot of people don't understand that too much thinking about the art and forget the business side yep and that's what i learned as a 19 year old already you know it was it was very great at the beginning but then at some point you know how it is they 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 just drop you you know we did it for two and a half years and then they just say you know what i think we want to move on wow and that's basically when it basically ended but i'm really grateful don't get me wrong sure valuable and now exactly now i do a lot of uh, singing like solo projects they do a lot of songwriting with other uh, artists to collaborate with a lot of people you know music music should be a part of everyone's life i think music is very important you know definitely um, yeah and i have to ask too obviously you're probably like quadrilingual right i feel like europeans just speak every language right? <laughs> i do speak very you speak fluent german fluent english yeah. do you speak any other languages i mean i speak a little bit of french mm-hmm. so uh, i'm not completely fluent in french but i did movies in french already okay so i basically we did one movie where i spoke german english and french in one wow. movie in one scene actually so i basically talked to different people from different countries and changed the language in, in milliseconds that's that's not easy i was like whoo that takes a minute <laughs> i'm sure but it was great so i can i had french in school for six years right? Okay. So I'm not fluent, but I can make it sound French, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So yes. if I learn the lines and I know what they mean, I can sound French. Uh, but I wouldn't say I'm, I, I can hold a conversation with the French guy just like that. Interesting. So, yeah. Do most, I mean, obviously you speak perfect English. Do most Germans speak as fluent of English as you do? Or yeah, I mean, it depends where they're from, mm-hmm. right? That's a very big point, to be honest. Now, yeah. If they're from the countryside, you know, it's a different story. Yeah. So countryside is very different. So they don't really speak a lot of English. It depends. That's why we have every show dubbed in German still, by the mm-hmm. way. If you watch German television, also for American people, if you don't know that, it's all dubbed in German. We have a lot of your shows 
The Office, The Prince of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, The King nice. of Queens, all these kind of shows, Two and a Half Men, it's all dubbed in German perfectly. You wouldn't even believe that these people are not German because the movement wow. and the dubbing is perfect. It's on point. Because for the people on the countryside, they don't really speak English and understanding, so you still have to do it. If you go to cities like Munich or like Berlin, different story. Everyone speaks it. But I have to say, I used to live in London four years okay. uh, before I came to the US. So nice. That was a huge change for me. You know. So what were the biggest differences you noticed between European English, American English, and just the culture of London versus the culture of the States? Oh my God, how much time do we have? I know. Maybe <laughs> your two-minute breakdown. Yeah, yeah, the... yeah. I mean, the first thing I have to say, we start English in school in Germany, right? right. So, But we learned the British You're English. probably learning British. Yeah, so I used to say, can I get a glass of water, please? Yeah. Something like that, right. you know? It's the classier English, it's, it's, right? Yeah, that's what they say, right? Yeah. It sounds a little more posh or whatever, yes. right? So, um, but I never really got into it. I always wanted to sound more like you guys. More American? More American, Oof. because I... <laughs> The worst accent. I'm from the Midwest, which right. is like notoriously right, right. kind of like an annoying American. Yeah. It's like very shallow vowels. I and can't like, even tell. That's the foreigner, I guess. I, I can't guess, really tell. Yeah, it's, it's fairly neutral. The giveaway for me would be like an expression like khakis or backpack. It's a very shallow A. Backpack? Exactly. It's right. almost, it's, I'm pretty close to Canada where I grew right, up. So there's right. almost that Canadian shallow vowels that you kind of hear. So how would someone from California say backpack? Uh, more like, like your backpack, man. Backpack. Like it's a it's a deeper like yeah man go grab your khakis in your backpack whereas I would say like yeah my khakis and my right. backpack are back here and, so and, and always at least one man or dude in the sentence right yeah <laughs> dude, dude just go grab your backpack bro that's dude, the first thing yeah, I learned man. about people in California yeah, if you man. don't say dude they know exactly that you're not from California totally right? dude yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny to me but yeah. Uh, yeah seriously what I also have to say and that's just something that so attractive to a lot of people like non-American people Mm -hmm. and I'm not always sure if a lot of Americans even feel the same way I have this conversation very often because a lot of people ask me specifically because I'm German from Germany why did you leave Germany? Are you crazy? That's a great country. You said, too. It's a great country. It is, yes. People ask me all the time, why did you come to the U.S.? Are you crazy? Right. And I said, honestly, the thing about Germany is I love the country. I love Berlin, especially. I'm from Berlin. But people, I believe, are still a little bit more reserved, more mm. conservative when it comes to especially creative things, you mm. know, like being an actor, just doing something creative and make a living off of it. It's still a different, like, uh, perception. That Traditional. We, that, yeah, yeah, for sure. So if it's about engineering and uh, machines and stuff and you want to build stuff mm-hmm. per- Germany's perfect for you right but when yes. it's about the art you want to be a musician and you want to be like an artist or like in general the US is on a different level mm. it's it's you do you feel the same do you understand that as an American yeah, the same so. way right? I think when I traveled to Germany I did notice there was like a, a commitment to systems and yeah. tradition oh, not yeah. in a bad way at all but right yeah, I think. And it, you know what? I grew up in the Midwest, which is, I'm from Ohio. Oh, That's also a very yeah. traditional part of the country. So, gotcha. you know, I could pursue an artistic career in Cleveland, but right. it wouldn't be as much of a safe ecosystem for me to pr- pursue those dreams yeah. as it would be on a coast. Yeah, the coasts that's right. are more uh, sort of fertile if you want to sort of explore a creative career. Right, right, so right. So I can relate to that for sure. Right. No, I mean, that's exactly what I felt. So when I came to LA for the very first time, that was back in 2009 when mm-hmm. I was 22, 23, I was like, wow. That's, I mean, have you ever had that feeling that you come to a city and you just land? I will never forget, forget that day, Jeff. That changed my life. I'm mm-hmm. that serious. I came out to LAX airport. I came out the very first time as a German guy, young kid, right? Very first time in America, coming to LA. And I came out of the airport and I knew that's home for me. I love it. I'm that serious. I really mean that, right? You know the Germans don't say stuff just like that. We mean <laughs> stuff, right? When we say it, we mean it. So I really yes. mean that. Yes, we do. 
And I was like, wow, what is happening here right now? I felt so connected I immediately because the vibe that you guys have is like anything is possible if you work hard for it and you work smart, you can make it happen. I love that. And that's amazing to have because I feel if you are someone who has a dream and you know what you are capable of, which is important too, I believe, you have to know what you are capable of and who you are in order to make it. Mm-hmm. If you have that and you have a vision and a dream, this place is still the best place to be, to become the person who you want to be. And in Germany, it's more like, don't get me wrong, we have a lot of creative people too and we are open with ideas, but it's still like in a way that sometimes people say, let's say if I'm German, right? And you come up in Germany with an idea to me and I'm the German guy and you would say, hey Ben, I have this crazy idea about like a, like a website, like social media and stuff like that. The German might say, Oh, oh yeah, that, that that's interesting, Jeff. That that's, that's, that sounds very nice. But um, have, what, what's happening if it's not going to work out? Is that realistic? So, well, what do you do? I mean, yeah. how, what, what what's Plan B? If that, what is the how are you going to get there, Jeff? Interesting. You know, and I've said that's not bad either, though. Mm-hmm. It's right. good to have a plan. Pragmatic. That's exactly right. And yeah. I'm that I'm that same person too. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm still very pragmatic, but I'm also a dreamer. So I call I call myself a realistic dreamer, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So I have a plan in my head. But for me, it's more like that. I have a goal right here, but I go like this. Hmm, I love it. But I still have the goal in front of me. And I, I believe right now what I learned about L.A., being in this country, in this town for two years, L.A. is more like, okay, now I go to the left for six months and I do this stuff. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I don't come back and just move forward. Couldn't agree more. It go like this. And then I'm still a little bit more forward. Yes. But sometimes you just have to come out of your comfort zone, maybe do something where you feel like that's not exactly what I came for. But I now believe that that doesn't matter. Right. It still gets you back. It's just a different path. I couldn't agree and more. And I think if you accept that, it's like a mindset thing. If you accept that, you can definitely make it happen. And I think a lot of people, because we have to say, we have to be honest and realistic too. LA is very competitive. It's, yep. a, it's a tough town, guys. It's, if you guys are in America and you live in a different town and you want to come to LA, you have to understand it is competitive. It is a tough town. Right. But I believe, as I mentioned, if you're capable of of who you are and you know what you're capable of and you know what kind of dream you have and you understand that sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone and do stuff that you don't really feel but you know you have to do it then you can make it happen you'll you know? find your place right you do absolutely you, and you have to have and also sorry I'm, I'm very very passionate about it's that it's all topic good I love it it's because I learned so up. much and I really like sharing that experience especially with people who are maybe from a different country too mm-hmm. what I also learned is that being in the business in entertainment industry in Hollywood, I always say Hollywood, but I mean the whole town with that, mm-hmm. is that you have to play the game too. Yes. You have to play the game. And by that, I mean sometimes, hey, you know what? In Germany, we don't say, hey, how's it going, Jeff? How's, he, how's it going today? <laughs> you know, it's a very American thing to say. Yeah. You don't probably even mean it every time we say it. Right. You, know? you just say it. As a German, it's like, okay, he, he asked me how I'm feeling. If I'm shit, I'm telling you that I'm right. shit. You know what I mean? But that's something I needed to learn. That's just a phrase. It's just like the moment of feeling, making you feel comfortable. I give you a good feeling in that moment. Right. That's an American thing that people do in LA, I feel. And they just lie. And <laughs> they're, they're basically, yeah, they do that too. It's different, right? It is different, but you have to play that game to a certain yep. extent. But then on the other hand, I have to say, when you become private and you go back home, you have to have a very solid network too of people you trust. Mm-hmm. I, that's so critical. And seriously, if you don't have anyone in this town that you can trust, that's tough. That really gets that you get lost for sure. Well, you know what? I feel like that's perfect advice for us to go out on, Benjamin. I really appreciate it. If any of you guys are thinking about making that leap, I've lived here, you know, four or five years now, and I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. I appreciate it. So, I really enjoyed this talk, Benjamin. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much. Uh, What's next for you? 
Oh my god, next for me is I'm actually doing a shooting next week. Great. Funny enough. So I basically I do a general again. I do like I play a second uh, second World War Nazi general. Nice. Which is a very interesting thing though, because it's like a mockumentary. Oh cool. Which means like we do a documentary, but we also have like fictional scenes in it. Interesting. Which is a very interesting topic. I keep you updated on that. Great. Uh, and then also we gonna shoot a feature film at the end of the year. Awesome. Yeah. That's so, great. Uh, well, where can they connect with you online to see all of this being promoted? Oh, yeah, for sure. So definitely check out my uh, my Instagram great. at uh, Benjamin Schnau. It's Benjamin and Schnau, S-C-H-N-A-U. And I'm always saying, think about the dog. Yes, Schnauzer, the Schnauzer. Without the Z-E-R. Yes, and that's just so you guys know, that's B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N. That's right. It's that's Benjamin. Correct. So make sure you check that out on Instagram. That's right. Also on Facebook, Benjamin Schnau, the same name. Uh, my IMDb account, if you want to check it out, what I did so far, is also the same name, Benjamin Schnau. And uh, yeah, I'm always posting stuff, right? Also when it comes to music, do a lot of songwriting sessions recently. Great. So, you know, hopefully maybe having the next big too. Who knows, Absolutely. You, know? <laughs> you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey C. Graham and then on Instagram at Jeffrey Crane Graham. If you want to see some other stuff I'm doing here at the network, on Mondays I host our Bar Rescue After Show with our CEO and founder Kevin Undergaro. And I am both very proud and ashamed to admit that I host our Bachelor franchise after shows as well. That's so, great. I know, I love it. <laughs> uh, so you can catch me on The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, or Bachelor in Paradise. That's Mondays. And it's going to be Tuesdays for Paradise at 8 p.m. on our reality channel. This has been Mini Spotlight, guys, where we feature Hollywood's hottest up-and-coming talent. Today, I interviewed Benjamin Schnau. Benjamin, love getting to know you today. Thanks so much, Jeff, for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. It. And we're getting out of here, but we'll see you guys next time here on AfterBuzz TV. Bye-bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 